Well, hey, friend, and welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space in our own little corner of the world for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's at work in our mess. And today, specifically, we're talking about the God who's at work in that sacred yet hard, beautiful yet refining thing we like to call motherhood, which God invented, by the way, with His own brilliant mind, with His own unlimited resources, and He wants to meet us in the good and meaningful work of raising up the next generation and teaching them to know Him, even while we're still growing ourselves. But before we get to all that, I just want to say we are so glad you're here. No matter your story, no matter your past, no matter if you're a biological mom, adoptive mom, foster mom, or like a mom to someone special, The Messy Table is a place where we can show up, where we are reminded of true things that are bigger than ourselves. We're right in the midst of the crazy going on in the world and sometimes the crazy going on in our own hearts. We can take an intentional minute to hear someone else's story and learn from their experience. So I guess I should mention, my name is Jen Jewell, and I have the joy of hosting this faith-fueled conversation-style podcast, which unleashes a fresh story of hope into your world and your speakers every other Tuesday. Plus, we are partnered with women of my church, Life Church, where we're also big-time fans of the YouVersion Bible app. Guys, an incredible free resource right on our phone that can help us engage in God's Word. And beyond those things, we just love locking arms with you and with women like you all over the world. And I might be a little biased, but I think our guest for today is even better than a hot cup of coffee and adult conversation after a long weekend of parenting. That's right, friends. Renee Swope is a people-loving, adventure-seeking wife and mom and writer and speaker. She's the author of the books, A Confident Heart and Now A Confident Mom. And really, what mom doesn't want to be confident? What woman doesn't want to sit down and just soak up the wisdom of those who've gone before us and those who are walking beside us? From toddlers who won't listen, to teens who are questioning God, to being kind to ourselves and trusting God in the mess. Guys, it's all here and it's all good. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join me for a chat with Renee. Well, Renee, oh my goodness, you have no idea how excited I am. This is making my day. So welcome (laughs) to The Messy Table. Thank you so much for inviting me and saving a seat for me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, yes. So I also have to mention, this is The Messy Table Snow Day Edition. Um, My kids are home distance learning, so I set up a little makeshift recording space in my bedroom. And so I have to tell everyone and I have to tell you, Renee, that this is like one of the best compliments I can give anyone that I thought it's okay. It's fine because it's Renee and she (laughs) won't care. It'll all be good. So (laughs) that's right. That's right. Well, I know you, but not everyone does. So if you would just give us a peek into your world and tell us who you are and what you're all about. Well, I am a mom. Since we're going to be talking about motherhood, I am a mom of three. I have two adult sons who are in their 20s and married. And then I have a daughter who's 13. And I'm married to just my best friend who I've been married to for almost 29 years now. And his name is JJ. JJ. And we live in North Carolina, um, just a little bit north of Charlotte. And I'm a writer and a communicator, but my favorite thing to do is just hang out outside 
we recently moved to a lake and really my favorite thing to do is to go outside and feed the ducks. My neighbor has <laughs> domesticated ducks. And so now I have fallen in love with ducks. Because <laughs> <laughs> you guys are on a little cove. Yes. And so we have this little uh, group of ducks. They're like four white ones and one black one. And they swim around to everybody's dock to get fed bread <laughs> or something like that every day. <laughs> okay. So two adult sons that are married, do you feel like, I mean, I know you're always parenting in a way you're always a parent, mm-hmm. but being behind you several steps, I feel like, man, you did it. <laughs> like you raised them. <laughs> They're off on their own. Well, some days, especially when they do something like really cool or really just consider it, JJ and I'll be like, we did it. Like they turned out okay, honey. (laughs) Yeah, you know, you really do. I would say we are just enjoying this season of parenting so much because they become your friends. Mm. Um, Our goal when they were little was that we would create relationships so that they would want to stay connected. Mm -hmm. And um, they do. And so that's really beautiful. And um, we love it. But they've become, you know, friends. Um, One of my sons is just really wise and savvy in business. And so we'll talk business things and strategy things for growing ministry or growing his business. And, um, but yeah, I feel like we did it, but also it's not over. Like Mm -hmm. you're just always learning together and growing. Like right now we're navigating a season of figuring out what does it look like? Cause one lives out of town with his wife and they're two and a half hours away and their location is close to her parents. And so how do we navigate this? We want to spend more time together too, you know? Right. And just figuring out schedules because it's different when they're working and they're married and she has a schedule and there's just a lot more things pulling at their time. And now we have more time. (laughs) We want to be together. So I would say, you know, you're always learning and growing and navigating. Yeah. New season. Well, pre-COVID, we were invited to this dreamy retreat in Italy, brought to life by our friend, Jenny Burke. So that's how we met. Like, what an incredible place to meet. (laughs) And I want to go back today because there's ice on the ground outside. I'm with you. And I remember I have a picture of you and I together. I think it was maybe our first day or second day. And we took a picture on this cobblestone road. And it's just one of my favorite pictures. But I just remember just connecting with you so quickly and easily. Like I felt like I'd known you and I wanted to put you in my suitcase and take you home as my little sister. It was such a special time. I remember that picture. I think we both had on black dresses. We were matching. So (laughs) yeah, because everybody looks good in black. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. But Today, we're going to talk a little bit about this messy motherhood life. And you actually recently wrote a book called The Confident Mom. And we're going to get to that. We're going to talk all about it. But I know you haven't always felt confident. Right. Uh, So we want to hear a little backstory. Tell us a bit about your motherhood journey. Well, confidence, for one, has always been a struggle for me. Um, And no one knew it because on the outside, I got really good at acting like I was confident because Mm -hmm. I didn't want people to know I doubted myself because then they might start doubting me even more than, you know, I thought they did. And so confidence has always been a struggle. Mm -hmm. But when I got married and had children, that really shook me because (laughs) my boys were both fairly easy babies, but once they became toddlers who wouldn't listen Mm -hmm. and I 
just couldn't figure out why and what I was doing wrong. I became a person who I just didn't like, Mm -hmm. and I felt like such a failure. And I think I thought it was going to be formulaic. Like you take your children to church, you read them bedside stories, you sing, you pray, (laughs) and then they're sweet little cherubs because I didn't grow up in a Christian home. um, I had never had that kind of home life. And in my head, everybody else looked really happy and like their children were sweet. And (laughs) so I thought like, what's wrong with me? Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Yeah. And social media now doesn't even help at all. Oh, I can't even imagine. Like, thank the Lord that it was not a thing when my boys were small, um, because that's when I first started parenting. And I can't even imagine the pressure um, and the perception of perfection that it seems like we see on social media. But yeah, it was hard. I wasn't really nurtured as a child. Like my parents divorced when I was really little. My mom was gone all the time, not just with work, but just her own things. And so I just didn't know how to be a mom. And I had unrealistic expectations of myself and of my children. And so every day was a failure or disappointment or a sense of defeat. So it was really messy and hard so much that I came to the point where, and I share this in my opening chapter of the book, where I wanted JJ to fire me. And yet I knew he wouldn't fire me. So I decided to look for pink construction paper and write, I quit on it and turn in my own pink slip. Because back in the old days, if you got fired, you got a pink slip is what I'd I'd heard. It always said. And so I decided I'm going to give myself my own pink slip. So perfect. Um, But I couldn't find any pink construction paper. And um, (laughs) instead, the Lord just met me in a really sweet way. As I journaled that day, just pouring out my heart about how I hated being a mom, how I couldn't wait to be a mom. And now I hated it because I hated who I'd become. And I felt guilty all the time. Mm. And you know, those are the messy parts that I think there aren't many moms who can't relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, the mom guilt, the always feeling like we're not doing enough um, because there's so many things mm-hmm. as a mom that you feel like you should be doing. And you just can't imagine doing one more thing because you're trying your best, but it gets messy and hard. And I think it brings us really to a place of desperate need. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it brings up this tension of so many emotions where you wanted so badly to be a mother, but then it was so hard and like squeezing you and squeezing all these things out. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. No, it's not. And it does it squeezes out all those things like that desire for control, that desire to be good at something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had always like thrived on achieving things like completion. I love that sense of completion. And when you're, when you have little ones and even as they grow, like it doesn't ever feel like things are complete. Right. And so you just have to trust and really walk in faith that what you're doing matters Yes, and that it is making a difference. And, you know, based on like wise counsel, God's word, because there are some really clear things in the Bible, although we don't think so, there really are some clear parenting principles in the Bible, but you have to walk in faith that it is making a difference and that you're being faithful. Maybe you don't feel successful, mm-hmm. but you're being faithful. And I really had to come to a point where I realized God wasn't looking at me and deciding, is she a failure or is she a success? Mm. What he's looking for is, has she been faithful? Like That's good. our faithfulness makes God smile. Mm-hmm. But even taking that a level down, I would say, 
from expectations. What does it look like to be faithful? Does yeah. it look like perfection? No, it looks like apologizing yeah, yeah, when yeah. you lost it or were really harsh with your kids. Like faithfulness is going back and saying, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I messed up. Will you forgive me? Like modeling that, that's faithfulness. Faithfulness might be, you know what? I'm not going to have this incredibly healthy meal tonight. We're going to order pizza mm-hmm. because God wants peace in our home and I'm losing it. Sometimes ordering pizza equals peace. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Pizza equals peace for sure. <laughs> you know, our kids want to be with us. Like vegetables matter, but they don't matter, I think as much as mama being peaceful. That's so good. Let's make t-shirts, please. Uh, vegetables yeah. matter, but not as much as mama needs peace. Um, when you mentioned finishing tasks, especially in those little years, but really I think all through parenting, it's like the moment that you do finish a task or get something checked off your to-do list, then there's like eight more things because they've been undone in the time that you were doing the thing. You know, one of the things that helped me was I was really focused on my kids' habits, you know, because habits is like, if I'm focused on what they're doing, but I'm not addressing their heart, I'm just so it's like, how do you even get completion when it comes to motherhood? Now I might get my house clean and that feels like completion, or I might yeah. get all the dishes washed or all the clothes folded, but motherhood and shaping my child into a little human, <laughs> like, how does that look like completion? Mm. And so after that day that I had just kind of emotional breakdown, um, and we'll go back to that in a little bit, but really the Lord showed me that I really need to shift my focus from their habits to their heart and really, um, become more heart centered in my parenting so that I focus more on their character, you Mm -hmm. know, and not just correcting behavior, but really going back and addressing the heart of the issue and focusing on like, okay, you were mean, you were mean when you hit the dog or you bit your brother, but what, what's the opposite of that kindness? What does that mean? What does the Bible say about kindness? Like, what does that mean in a childlike definition? And when you begin to focus on shaping your children's hearts and really approach it, like more character focused in your parenting, when they are kind you notice it and you're like, oh, like, like it might not feel like completion, but it feels measurable, I guess. Yeah. Or when they share, you know, or when they're generous or when they take initiative, all of a sudden the Lord opened my eyes to start noticing and nurturing his image in them. You know, we're all created in his image so to notice and nurture their character was noticing and nurturing God's image in them. And although it wasn't completion, it was measurable and it was something I could celebrate instead of just being frustrated by the fact that they spilled milk on the way to the kitchen, Mm -hmm. but they took initiative to take their plate to the kitchen to the sink. But all I had focused on in the past was they spilled the milk on the way. That's good. Yeah. And he shifted my perspective to celebrate that Andrew took initiative instead of you having to ask every night, celebrate that. And then mention the milk and maybe making two trips like later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but it it really changed things. It's so interesting that friendship is such a refining process. And then marriage is such a refining process. Huge. And then parenting takes it. I don't know if it's one step further, but it's just a different step in pulling out things in our heart that we didn't necessarily know were there, like control issues or a desire for perfection or mm-hmm. all these things that we don't even necessarily know are there. And then they just come out. Yeah. I think marriage is hard. It reveals our selfishness and our 
like thinking we're always right, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and just the power of our preferences. But when you bring in a little human that you're with a lot (laughs) lot. and there's their spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical well-being Mm -hmm. that you feel responsible for, but yet you're also sharing it with, or hopefully you want to co-parent with this other person. Like it just brings out a whole lot. And then you bring in a second little person and sure. You know, it's a lot. And I think in a way, it's good to kind of even just state the obvious that it's normal. Exactly. Right? Like if you're with a friend, you go and you have fun and, you know, maybe you're working through some stuff, but you still go home to your own house and you can have time to unwind or you can still be your own person, you know, but when you have kids with you, you know, you can barely go to the bathroom by yourself without little fingers coming through the door. Right. Right. And I think it's super important to say, like, this is normal. Yes. Like this tension, this struggle is normal, right? but not to let the tension, the defeat, the hard parts get us so down Mm -hmm. or let it define us. And I think that it's normal to struggle, but God doesn't want it to become normal to constantly feel like we're not enough. We're not doing enough. Or we don't have to be stuck there forever. Right. But but also, I think we have to expose the lie that other people have it going on, like yeah. they're killing it at motherhood, <laughs> Yeah, you know, when really they're struggling just as much as we are. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned feeling insecure. And obviously, I didn't know you as a young mom, but I feel like you just seem so confident and so secure and you're so bubbly and concerned about everyone else making them feel safe and known and seen. And so mm-hmm. it's interesting for me to picture you as having insecurities, because that's not something that, that comes across naturally. Yeah. Well, and I will say I am a lot, you know, I'm 55 now, so I've lived wisdom a little while. Um, but I didn't really get to the root of my insecurities and self doubts. And they were really just those paralyzing self doubts of that fear of rejection, the fear of failure, the fear of people finding out I didn't have it all together. Mm -hmm. You know, there was those deep messages and uncertainty about ourselves that I just didn't address. I just thought they were, I was stuck with them and other people didn't have them. Like I was born with them because of my background and my childhood. This is what I had almost like it was a disease. But when I started talking about it in my forties, as I got older and was speaking and writing, I found out that other people had this secret struggle. They weren't talking about either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what'd you do with that? So I got so sick of living with it that I just started begging God to take it away. And when he wouldn't take it away, um, I began to ask him to show me like, well, then how do I deal with it? Yeah. And one day I was packing to go out of town and putting on my makeup. And when I turned around to put something in my suitcase, I noticed this huge shadow on the wall of my bathroom. And I felt like the Holy Spirit whispered, the only reason you could see the shadow is because you've turned around away from the light, turned back towards the light. Mm. And I had been battling horrible doubt that day. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the Lord was saying, that's the shadow of doubt. Like you stand in the shadow of doubt when you turn away from the light, mm. turn back towards the light. And so that visual became an analogy for me that shifted my life and my mindset completely because it wasn't like self-doubt went away. It's just now I had this tool that when it, came over me, I would be like, okay, Lord, help me turn towards the light. What is the light of your truth? What is the truth about me? What do you say about me? And just began to really turn my heart towards God's word and his light when the darkness of shadows of doubt, you know, the shadow of doubt started to kind of close in on me. Mm -hmm. So as I started to share that story in my forties and find out other people were struggling with it, 
then I had this tool now and it wasn't about trying harder. It was about turning sooner. Hmm. And I think the same applies in motherhood. You know, we're going to doubt ourselves. We have to acknowledge we have an enemy and he is coming for us. He hates the family Mm -hmm. and he hates God's glory in us. And he's, he's after us, like, you know, and he wants glory. He doesn't want God to have glory or us to have any of God's glory in our lives. Mm -hmm. And you know what I mean? Like Christ shining through us. Definitely. And like you said, he's after our peace and our joy and our kids peace and joy. Yes. Cause he doesn't want our kids to see any peace of Christ in us. And he doesn't want our kids to be drawn to the Lord because you know, so he's like, let's just go after mom and make her miserable. And mm. then her kids might be like, oh, well, I don't want to be a Christian because my mom always screamed all the time. And mm. she was, you know, <laughs> whatever. I'm just saying like, he wants to come after us and destroy right. our peace yeah, um, and distract us so much that we can't focus on pouring what we do have into our children, so like distract true. us by all we think we don't have. Oh gosh. So yeah, you know, exactly. Well, you were talking about comparison and I know you talk a lot about that in your book, you know, when you see the mom on social media who all their outfits match and everything just seems so easy and simple and they look flawless and beautiful. And it's like, man, haven't washed my hair in three days and I just want a a break. Yeah. Yeah. My kids have like sweatpants and t-shirts on and two unmatching shoes. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. And why does she have it all together? But that discouragement, the guilt, that sense of failure, it's very consuming when we're thinking about it all the time. Yeah. And so if he can get us to focus on ourselves and all our feelings of inadequacy and comparison, then we don't have the mental energy or spiritual energy or physical and not, you know, we don't have any energy to pour what really matters into our children because we're so self-focused. Yeah. And we know it, but it's everybody else's highlight reel. Like it's not real life. Like you said earlier, everybody's dealing with their own struggles. And so, you know, now maybe they're better at certain things, there's definitely lots of people that are better at a lot of things than I am, but still they have their own struggles. Exactly. And like you pointed out, when you see me, like I'm focused on other people and making sure other people have a good experience. And I think that is part of overcoming self-doubt is it allows me to get my eyes off myself and look at others and focus on what I have to give and what I can create for others instead of being self-focused. And I want to point out, it's not that I don't struggle with doubt anymore, but I know what to do with it. Yeah, I know to turn sooner instead of trying harder. And that makes all the difference in the world. That's so good. And I, I talk a lot about that in my first book, A Confident Heart. Yeah. And then I take it into the realm of motherhood and raising our children and creating a whole different kind of environment at home than what we originally had when I was in my very, very early thirties was when my boys were little mm-hmm. and yeah, it changes everything. I will say though, the, the perspective shifts that God made in my heart as a mom did absolutely trickle out into my marriage and mm-hmm. then into friendships because there was a story that I read that day that I wanted to write my own pink slip. Instead, I grabbed a folder out of my work bag, um, that Lisa Turkers had asked me to edit. And in her article, she referenced a story that Zig Ziglar told in one of his books. And the story was about Andrew Carnegie. So Andrew Carnegie was the wealthiest man in the early 1900s. And he was so wealthy that he actually employed 42 millionaires at one point, which was very unusual at the time. Mm -hmm. And a reporter was intrigued by this and asked Andrew Carnegie, Like, how did you, you know, how could you afford to hire these men? And Andrew Carnegie said, well, they weren't millionaires when he hired them. Mm -hmm. 
that they became millionaires. And so then the report is like, well, how did they become millionaires working for you? And Andrew Carnegie explained that men are developed the same way gold is mined. When a gold miner goes into the mine, he has to move through tons of dirt to find one ounce of gold, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't look for dirt. He looks for gold. And the more he looks for, the more he finds. And then um, Zig Ziglar used that analogy to challenge parents to look for the gold in their kids. And he was talking about their talents and their abilities, but that caught my attention. And I closed my folder and put that away. And I just sat there and began to cry and said, I wish I had a gold miner in my life who could see something good in me. I remember thinking that like it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I pulled out my journal as I wrote out my struggles. I sensed the Lord saying, I am that gold miner. Mm -hmm. Like I see the gold in you, which is my image. You were created in my image. And yes, you're buried in the dirt of discouragement and defeat and your sin, but I'm in you. You have Christ in you. And I want to bring that gold to the surface so that your kids can see Christ in you too. And then as you allow me to love you and walk with you as my daughter, you'll be able to then be the mom that I created you to be. And so that was a complete turning point that day. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, of course, immediate, but there were two, you know, roads that I felt like the Lord turned me down. And one was to pursue, why was I so mean to myself? Why was I so um, critical, self-critical? And why did I have such high expectations? But then the other very practical piece was, what does it look like to mine for gold in the heart of my children? Like, I want to be a gold mining mom. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. And so I really began to pursue those two questions and it changed me. And then it changed who I was as a, a wife too, because as critical as I was of myself and my kids, I was doing the same thing to JJ, to my husband. It's going to affect everything. It does. Mm-hmm. And in the book, you talked about asking a geologist friend of yours, you know, how gold was produced and yeah. how, I'm probably going to butcher this, but you were basically saying like having the right environment and the right chemicals, yeah. blah, 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 you know, creates gold. Yeah. And comparing that to our children, right? Yeah. The right environment, the words spoken, and you can probably go into that better than I can. Yeah. But just all these things converge. It was amazing. And gold yeah. is produced. Yes. Yes, we had a friend that was a geologist. I've never had a friend since then that was. And, you know, it was just God's timing. But I did. I called Michael and I was like, I expect it to be super complicated. And he's like, well, honestly, it's just the right ingredients and the right temperature or right level of moisture in the right environment coming together is how gold is formed. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, huh, you know, are there any parallels based on what I'd already been researching? Mm -hmm. And it was like, what are the right ingredients? Like, what is the right environment? And what are the right conditions, I guess I would say. And as I kind of unpacked those with the Lord and through like all kinds of parenting books I had read for years, I felt like the ingredients were like words of encouragement, nurturing our children's character and God's word, you know, our words of encouragement and God's word. And their character became the ingredients I focused on. And then the right conditions were acceptance and approval instead of criticism and comparison. So it's not like we're just comparing ourselves with other moms. Oftentimes we're comparing our kids with other kids. And then let's say that was the conditions. And then the right environment is an environment where there's, you know, faith, hope and love. And um, that really became like a roadmap for me 
And then JJ came home, you know, that day. And then in the days, it just became a creative way for us to shift our focus and create, like really be intentional about creating, you know, an environment where our kids felt accepted and approved of. And what I mean by that was like our boys both loved outdoor stuff. Uh, camping, you know, yeah. <laughs> airsoft and like going to the shooting range and mm-hmm. shooting those things that fly in the air. I can't remember what they're called, but JJ grew up as an athlete. He was an all-star athlete. Like he was quarterback on the football team. He was point guard or whatever. He was, you know, <laughs> big in basketball. He yeah. was in baseball and our boys have no interest in sports. Mm-hmm. And he had to shift yeah. from that place of real disappointment because he imagined, you know, sports with his kids to sure. I'm going to enter into their world and I'm going to learn about all these outdoor things they love to do. Oh, that's good. And that created a feeling for my boys of that my dad accepts me and pursues me. Mm-hmm. And um, the same thing with, you know, all kinds of things. I write a chapter about me struggling with our oldest boy, our oldest son, um, being extremely introverted and shy and I'm extroverted. And I wanted him to be like other kids because they looked happier you know, at all the fall festivals and mm-hmm. things we were doing when Joshua was clinging to my leg, like a koala bear, you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but learning to accept and, and celebrate yeah. who God created him to be. Well, I love that chapter about acceptance and approval because that's what we want for ourselves, right? Like we want to be seen and known just as we are not having to put on a mask or pretense. And so you have this whole section talking about like even personality and um, just really seeing our children for who they are, for who God made them to be. And then entering into that and mining for gold within that is really beautiful. Um, And I love the comparison of, are we finding the dirt or are we finding the gold? Are we seeing the spilled milk? Are we seeing the the action behind obedience? Mm -hmm. We often talk about with our kids, like, are you a hummingbird or a vulture? Like, are you looking for sweet things? Are you looking for dead Mm -hmm. things? Um, Oh, I like that. But I love the gold. It's definitely encouraging me as a mom. It really helped me. And and I created a chart and we're actually going to create some character calendars for families to get where it's 24 different character traits that I talk about in the book. And each character trait, I wrote like a childlike definition because my kids were like, patience, like, what is that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we we're like waiting without complaining. Yeah. Like sometimes we expect our kids to do things that we like initiative. What is that? Well, it's doing something without being asked. And for patients, I say waiting sweetly. So, you know, they're both good. <laughs> waiting sweetly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> waiting without driving me crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's better, better. <sighs> but um, but then we got like a short little verse that we would memorize as a family. And, and then I wrote out like four ideas of what does it look like to share this week? Or what does it look like to be patient? And what I felt like was also so important was that I wasn't, focused on, or JJ and I weren't focused on, like, we want you to learn how to be patient, but we as a family want to learn how to be patient mm-hmm. like Jesus. All of us. And so let's look for ways and make it a team pursuit. And I think that's really important as parents that we together want to become more like Jesus. Yeah. And then also I was able to take the analogy of dirt and show them like that's the sin in our life that buries the gold of Mm. God's image in us. And that's why Jesus came. Mm. And it just gave me a way to explain sin to our kids 
Yeah. And, and that they could see, like I even balled up foil and spray painted it gold, you know, little balls of foil to show them gold nuggets and like dug up some dirt and created it. Like That's kids good. learn by seeing. Mm-hmm. And then I found out we actually had a gold mine, like 45 minutes from our house, which was wow. so amazing to be able to do that with them and take them to the gold mine. Uh-huh. So <laughs> kids learn by seeing mm-hmm. so much more than just hearing concepts. Mm-hmm. They learn by doing. And you know, for me also, it became like, how can we live and love like Jesus? Mm-hmm. And we were able to use this analogy to also make knowing God and reading scripture an adventure to live, not just a bunch of rules and regulations to follow. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm thinking right now about the moms that are listening. And I guarantee you, we have moms with babies, moms with toddlers, moms with teens, moms with adults, moms with grandkids. And so getting into their world and my world, right? Our real world of like when things are truly difficult and maybe we're trying to teach our kids something and it's just, we're getting the opposite feedback, right? It's like, man, how do I get through to them? How do I help them? How do I love them? How do I encourage them? And um, something that I really have gained from your wisdom and from your book is just knowing that that confidence that you talk about, a confident mom, that that's coming from ultimately God's character and his promises. Right. And then everything else overflows from that. Yeah. So will you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So becoming a confident mom is not about gaining Mm self-confidence. It's about finding my confidence in the fact that God loves me unconditionally, Mm -hmm. that because of Christ in me and my surrender to him as Lord, I don't have to measure up to some standard and that my kids' behavior is not a reflection of my doing great or doing horrible. Like Mm -hmm. my faithfulness, it comes back to what we talked to earlier is, was I faithful to love my child and to try Mm -hmm. (laughs) to help them understand their response is not my responsibility. Mm. You know, they're a baby. They're a toddler. I mean, sometimes what we're doing is we're pouring in and it's creating these neurological connections that we won't see the fruit of till later Mm. because they are not physiologically able to understand everything, but it's important to create those connections early on Mm -hmm. and to lay this foundation of what matters knowing that they have a sinful nature and that their brains are still developing. And so at certain ages, they're not able to foresee consequences. They're not able to, you know, know they're telling the truth or not. Like, so it's important to also, in addition to a book like mine, to study the developmental and psychological phases of a child. Yeah, And that's just a whole different book, Mm -hmm. um, which I took classes on and have just read a lot, but really to understand like a child, and this is something I had to learn my child cannot act like me. Like I am an adult. I have had a lot longer life to live and my brain is developed as much as it's going to, but theirs is still developing. Yeah. The brain's not developed. You know, we got to remember that. (laughs) We got to remember it. Um, And it's inconvenient for us. We I mean, let's be honest. We want our kids to behave so that we look good. And so that 
life is more convenient. I mean, let's just be honest, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. And because we want them to get it and understand and like realize like life is going to go so much better for you if yes. you'll just follow this beautiful path that I'm putting out in front of you. Because when right. you don't, then you hurt yourself and others, you know? Right. But but do you remember being, uh, for me, I have to go back and say, okay, let me think about myself when I was eight years old totally. or 10 years old or 12 years Not old. Not thinking about like, any of that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, I had to grow and I had to be a kid and they have to be allowed to be a kid and make mistakes and hurt people and have to apologize. I think that for me, and I think for us, if we can see it as these are the ways our kids learn to apologize and to navigate life and to develop healthy relationships, I learned the most from my biggest failures. Mm when I would back away from them and be like, okay, Lord, like show me what I could have done differently or how I can apologize. And, you know, and even in my brokenness and days where I was just weeping, <laughs> like I can talk about it now looking back 20 something years and I don't sound emotional, but when it was happening, it was hard. Yeah. All of it was hard. Even loving my kids with a sense of acceptance and their personalities you were talking about earlier. I had to first I remember going through a phase where I hated my personality Mm -hmm. and this was as my kids were a little bit older and I wanted it to be different, you Mm -hmm. know? And so as I read about personality traits and really began to understand, oh, these are like natural God-given traits. And yes, I have weaknesses, but I also have strengths. For sure. The more I learned and accepted myself, then I could give that to my children. Yeah. But there was a parallel journey going on. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we say here a lot at the messy table that God is at work in the mess. But then I hear you saying basically that this process is a part of God's plan as well. And it's hard, but it's also beautiful because I know I'm in process. I know that I'm not done. And so I want to have that grace for my kids as well. Right. And our kids need that. As our kids, as our children got older, you know, they both went through in their 15, kind of, I call it that mid teenager years where they question their faith and one completely walked away. I mean, Andrew told us at 15, I've decided I'm an atheist. And we have to realize that our kids are humans. They're not just a product of us. Mm -hmm. And they have to be able to make their own decisions and find their own faith. And it was devastating when that happened. Mm -hmm. I remember you talking about this when we were in Italy. Yeah, it was absolutely devastating. But by both of my boys with growing up in a Christian home, they both were like, we heard so much about God's love and about Jesus's death. And it just became so like, wah, 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 wah. Like it was just so common. Mm-hmm. And we needed to be able to experience the awe of God's love. But Andrew, the one who told us he'd become an atheist, Joshua told us at one point, like, I just don't know that I believe there is a God. Mm-hmm. Um, he was more private about it and more like agnostic. Um, both of them ended up coming to a point where they, they did put their trust in Christ and choose to call him their Lord and savior. Mm. But Andrew's journey was the hardest. And it was probably because he was so vocal about it um, and abrasive about it, but he wasn't abrasive towards us. He was abrasive towards God, towards church, towards anything, Christianity. But it was when we allowed him to walk away and be his own person and ask his own hard questions. And I write a lot more about this in the book, but where he came to a point where he was tired of living without hope. Yeah. And so, you know, when we want to prevent our kids from doing these things so that their life will just be better, Mm. they need to hit their own walls and rock bottoms Mm. so that they 
have a need. That's they a word. Feel that's a word. The need for Christ. Yeah. And that's scary. So hard. Yeah. We want to protect them. We don't want it. Mm-mm. Yeah. We don't want it. I remember my oldest saying, mom, you grew up in a non-Christian home. So you hit rock bottom in your early twenties when you were in a pit of depression and darkness. So when you gave your life to Christ, you felt the difference of going from darkness to light, Mm. but we've never lived in darkness. Mm. We had never lived in darkness. And so we couldn't even experience the light until we experienced some of the darkness. You know, I know that sounds, but this is the reality and it's hard. I think we just all need to acknowledge, you know what? It's hard. And our mm-hmm. kids are growing up in a culture that is even different. It's so much different than what I grew up in and you grew up in. For sure. And um, I'm so grateful that Andrew and Joshua both went through those seasons while they were still at home. Okay. Yeah. And so that's something I really want to encourage with parents of teenagers is let them ask hard questions, create mm-hmm. a safe, place. That's one of the things our kids need. It's, it's one of the chapters I write is our kids need a safe place to ask hard questions yeah. or to question their faith and um, be safe so they can wrestle through all of that while they're at home. And that's the thing that the Lord told us to do is like, don't keep talking about what you believe. Don't push things on him. You'll just push them away instead of talking about it, which you've been doing for 15 years. Just be who you say that I am. Mm-hmm. Be so like, patient. you're saying like, live it out. Yeah. Like, instead of saying, God wants to be with you, Renee, turn off your phone mm. and be with Andrew in the car. That's good. Or when you're saying God is patient, when he says something, be patient. Wow. When you say God's present and he comes and plops on your bed at 11 o'clock and you're exhausted, turn the light on, mm. <laughs> be present. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it's not when we say live it out, like <laughs> that's the kind of living it out. Like I felt like God was calling us. Very to. practical. That's so good. And sacrificial. It felt mm-hmm. super sacrificial, mm-hmm. you know, but he would tell you, I mean, it was that place where he could wrestle through it and not feel judged by us. We were honest with him. We cried in front of him. Mm-hmm. JJ was really sad and cried in front of him one day. And I was afraid um, that he would just go off the deep end. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there were times he challenged me like, mom, if you believe everything that you've told me you believe my whole life, then this wouldn't scare you. Uh. Pretty good. And so what did it do? It tested me. It tested my faith. Gosh, yeah. And it's a lot. It's all a lot. So the book too, I have had so many parents of teenagers say like, this is not just a book for moms of little ones. Mm -hmm. Like this is a book with perspectives and relationship, you know, pursuits that apply all through adult years. So, so many of the principles and perspectives I share we are still living them with our adult kids. Yeah. Well, you have adult kids, so you've lived it. And then you also have a 13-year-old who, yes. by the way, you adopted from Ethiopia, which is also an amazing story. I don't know that we have time to get into it all, but I'm sure that came with its own set of challenges as a mom. Absolutely. And she has special needs. She has developmental needs. So even though she's 13, her maturity and emotional levels are more like probably a six or seven year old. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very much still in the trenches. Yeah. So that's a whole nother, I mean, book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're still in the like sitting with her, making sure she eats dinner, making sure she brushes her teeth, like pulling out her clothes each day. So I'm not beyond where a lot of moms of littles are. Yeah. Um, we're still there. Mm-hmm. And and that's been hard, but it's, we've gone back to these principles of, okay, this is exactly who God created her to be. This is part of her story because of what she went through yeah. and how do we love like Jesus patiently mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and just accept where we are. 
Well, in the book, you talk about what your child needs most and then also what your heart needs most, what your heart needs to know. And so I won't read it all, but just even the chapter titles, I feel like make you want to get into it. It's like your child needs to know you believe in them. Your child needs to know that character matters most. Your child needs to know the Bible is more than a story. Feel acceptance and approval. Feel known and understood. Connection and belonging. Equipped for life's battles. Disciplined and loved. Forgiven and restored. Clear boundaries. Choices. I mean, there's so many great things. And then for the mom, you need to know that you don't need to be perfect, that God's doing more than you can see. You can do hard things, that God's boundaries are a good thing. What you do doesn't define you. You don't have to do it all. Guilt is stealing time you don't have to lose. You have what it takes to be a confident mom. And so obviously that's higher overarching view of it. But man, there's just so much richness in here. And I know that you said that you kind of feel like this book is your legacy. Yes. And I've had multiple people reach out to me and say that even this podcast for them in a season where they were really longing for a mentor has been that. And obviously it's not the same as like face-to-face connection, but has been that in a sense of just getting to glean wisdom from others. And I would say that that's what this book is as well. That's exactly what I want it to be. I didn't have that from the beginning of my own motherhood journey. I just didn't, I just didn't have that in my life. I pursued older women, but like we moved when our first son was really little. And so it was just, you know, it just takes time to get established and build those friendships. And um, I want to be that person. Of course, it's not in person, you know, but I want to be someone who can speak encouragement and hope Mm -hmm. and break things down in simple ways and mentor through the things I learned, just what I poured in there is all the things that I've learned that I wish I'd known before. And really to come alongside of mom and say, you're not alone and you can do this. And I'm right here to cheer you on Mm -hmm. and pray you through. And that I'm committed. Um, I prayed for all the moms that would read this book as I wrote it. And I'm committed to continue to pray for them. And I'm going to be starting a podcast. So I hope, you know, hoping to be able to speak truths into mama's hearts too. Um, But yes, that is, we need that. Mm -hmm. We desperately, we were created for it. It's biblical to have others speaking into our life. And I feel like social media has created this false sense of connection Mm -hmm. and a false sense of being mentored by people who really have just a lot of followers, you know? Yeah. It might not be that they have a lot of life experience, but they have a lot of followers. So we see people as experts, right? If that makes sense. And that we're in a very different time. And I think it's really important. Um, cause I did have women in my life. I just, they couldn't pour as much into me as I, as like I poured in the book, but I, I would spend time with people who their families looked like I wanted my family to eventually look like. Mm-hmm. They had relationships, they had adult kids. And sometimes I would say, Hey, can I come over and just help you fold clothes? Cause I just wanted to like absorb, just soak in. I think that's so good. Cause I do think sometimes it's intimidating if someone were to ask like, Hey, can you mentor me? Like, do I need to write a book? Do I need to take you through? Like, what does this look like? And really, I think it's more just like watching someone live their life. And I also think there's someone like you who, man, pick up this book and glean all this wisdom from a lifetime of mothering, Mm -hmm. which is just amazing. And then also, yeah, get someone in your life, in your church community or whatever, to where you can go over and help make dinner and fold clothes and wrangle someone's kids and really see how they're living their life. So I think it's both. Yeah, Both is helpful. I do too. A lot of times I think we think, well, let me see if they can have coffee with me. And maybe you can once, but it's hard to do that on a regular basis because if they are in a season with 
kids and sports and just, they have a lot going on in their life unless they're way older. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you were to say, can I come over and like help you cook dinner and just hang out with you and your kids? Um, Just hang out. Because I just want to see what it looks like. Yeah. Yes. Um, That is really the, those are the ways I learned the most from people because I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Mm. I had no idea what it looked like to have a Christian family. Mm. And even to watch them, like when the husband came home and how they communicated with each other, like there were just these little things that I picked up on that had a really big impact. Mm-hmm. Show me what it looks like. And that's one of the things, you know, you read the chapter titles and I so appreciate you doing that. I wrote the chapter titles intentionally the way they are so that a busy mom or yeah, all of us, no matter what age our kids are, we're busy. Um, could pick it up and just find that chapter she needs that day, whether it's the chapter her heart needs or the yeah. chapter that she really wants to apply because it's something going on with her kids. I also made the chapters really short on purpose. So I that, love it. Like at the end of the day, we might not be able to accomplish much, but we could read one chapter and feel like we did it. That's right. You can get in bed and curl up under the covers and yeah, read I tell chapter. people it's they're short enough for one potty sitting or one, uh, the segment of time that you can sit in your car in the driveway before your kids know you're home. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. So I feel like you were kind of reading my mail when I was <laughs> looking through these chapter titles and reading your book. So is this all your personal experience or did you research what moms really struggle with? Like, how did this all come about? Yeah. So I've shared like my heart and my desire to write the book, but also I wanted to find out like, what are moms right now? struggling with the most. So I did some surveys through Instagram and through my email list and identified the most felt not needs, but also the most felt struggles. And so that's how I determined which chapters to write, especially yeah. the mom chapters, the last section of the book. Those definitely hit the nail on the head. I think perfectionism, guilt, yes, all of that. I think the top two were guilt, mommy guilt, is so prevalent and just almost epidemic, but also not feeling like I'm not doing enough, which then leads to guilt. Right. It's like almost all of them lead to guilt. Right. So if you're working not with my kids enough, or if you're with your kids and want to be working, it's just this whole feel cycle. Feel guilty that you don't want to be with your kids. <laughs> or if you, your harsh tone, like for me, I felt guilty that I used a harsh tone or I felt guilty that I didn't keep my promise or I felt guilty that, yeah, the work balance. Um, and so that I, I think is the one that I want to make sure that moms hear the most is the chapter title is guilt is stealing time you don't have to lose. And there's a play on words there because one, guilt is stealing time Mm -hmm. that you don't have to lose because time is going by really quickly. So you don't have time to lose. Like your time is too precious. But then also guilt is stealing time. You don't have to lose. Like you don't have to give guilt your time. And so how I learned that lesson was um, there was an evening where I could hear JJ playing with um, our daughter And I felt so guilty because I was in my office working and yet I wanted to be with them. And it was just this battle, Mm -hmm. you know, that we all have of the balance. And I sense the Lord saying, just take a break for 10 minutes and trust me that the work will get done, but go do what you feel guilty Mm. about. Like, instead of just sitting here and thinking about and feeling guilty, like go do the thing that you feel guilty for not doing, like go in there and spend time with her, mm-hmm. but don't go in there and take up the time by saying, I'm so sorry. I feel so guilty that I haven't been with you. Like just go in and be present. Mm-hmm. And so what I talk about in there is like, Jesus doesn't want us to feel guilt. Like, yes, conviction is part of our process, 
Condemnation, which falls in the category of guilt, is not from the Lord. But the enemy, again, will distract us and get us so tangled up in feeling guilty that we actually don't do the thing. Say the apology, send the note, plan the time to be together. And it doesn't have to be, oh, an hour every day with each of my children. Like 10 minutes or 15 minutes can make a really big difference. Just something intentional. Especially when we're 100% present. So Mm -hmm. instead of letting guilt steal our time and invest that time and go be present in the thing that you wish you were doing. And I I unpack it more in the chapter, but it really made a difference to me. And that night I went and spent 10 minutes and, you know, what was amazing was Astrid didn't say, I can't believe you weren't spending time with me. And other moms would be spending time with their children. She was just, (laughs) you know, swallowed me into their time and just like enveloped me into the the fun that they were having. And I felt great. And then was able to go back and focus even better on the project I was trying to finish. So nice. That's the encouragement I want to give to moms. That's good. That's good. Well, we have so many good teasers here that people just need to go and read the whole book, get more of your wisdom. Um, Where can people find you? Where can they get your book and just all the great things that you're a part of? So the easiest way to find me would be on my website at reneeswope.com. And there you will also find, you know, the icons for my social media communities that I have. And I'm on Instagram at Renee Swope and also on Facebook at a confident mom page. And it might be a confident heart, but the confident mom stuff is there where I just share a lot of encouragement. I try to at least, you know, multiple times a week post and give moms encouragement. And then my podcast will be starting soon. And there will be a place on my website on the homepage where you can sign up to get updates. I really would love to invite your listeners. Um, It's going to be short like five to seven minutes and it's going to air on Fridays. Oh, that's so good. Is it going to be called a confident mom? It's going to be called a confident mom podcast. And we will spend time together on Friday so we can go into the weekend feeling like empowered as moms and equipped as parents and, you know, encouraged as children of God. So that's my goal. So good. Well, you are definitely an amazing encourager. And so as we wrap up, what final word of encouragement do you want every mom to hear? You were uniquely designed and positioned to be your child's mom. And even though you may not feel equipped and you may not feel like enough with Christ in you and beside you and before you and with you, you have what it takes to be a confident mom, not confident in your own abilities, Mm. but confident in God's ability to work through you and to feel confident that he is going to fill the gaps with his grace and his love. I want you to know he loves your children even more than you do as much as Mm. that is impossible to Mm -hmm. believe. He really does. And um, you've been entrusted to love them and to do life with them in preparation to help launch them into the world for the purpose God created them. And so just enjoy it, Mama. The only regret I have is not enjoying the seasons of motherhood when they were younger and in those middle years. I wish I'd let the house get a little messier Hmm. and um, had just been present even more than I was. So, Yeah. I love that you said confident in God's ability. That'll preach. Yeah. That will preach. So Renee, thank you for taking the time to share with us today. We're so grateful. And this has been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, friends, lots to process, lots to practice, all with lots of grace. 
And remember, all the resources mentioned, including Renee's new book, A Confident Mom, are linked in the conversation notes. And as always, you can subscribe for free wherever you like to stream, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher. And it's great because whenever a new episode goes live, it automatically comes straight to your phone. Plus, we love to hear your thoughts. So if you'd like to continue this conversation and share some of your thoughts on raising little humans, you can find us on Instagram at The Messy Table Podcast. For those of you who text these episodes to friends or share them on social media or even leave a review in Apple Podcasts, thank you. It is a simple but super helpful way to share these stories of hope. So again, thank you for taking the time to join us. And as you head back into your week and into your world, don't forget, yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.